I don't know what 2019 is going to be the year of. It could be the year of Nashville-style hot fried chicken. I could see that happening. Right? Yeah. I feel like people were super excited about Portillo's coming in. Portillo's? Portillo's. Good Lord. Portillo's. Maybe we'll see another hot dog resurgence. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it could be the year of. Yeah. It remains to be seen. 2018 didn't really offer a lot of clues for what I think 2019 is going to do. And that hasn't been... We're off the map. Yeah, we're off the map. Yeah. Hello! Welcome to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I am your host, Cap Times food editor, Lindsay Christians. This week I'm wearing my restaurant critic hat as we look back on the year in restaurant openings, trends, and our most memorable meals. I've got my friend Kyle Nabilsi in the studio. Kyle, as you may remember, is a restaurant critic and also a beer writer for Isthmus. This year, he was also part of the City of Madison's Food Cart Reviewer team. He visited dozens of food carts on the Capitol Square and Library Mall, and he has a few new favorites to share. I'm going to do my best to get the list of the restaurants we talk about today up online for you in one spot, but when in doubt, check out captimes.com for daily food coverage, including this week's roundup of Tater Tot Dishes by Chris Lay and a review of the new restaurant Nook on Atwood. Here's Kyle. Hello, Kyle. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being in here today. This is great. Yeah, good to see you. It's always interesting when we go back and we look at the year in food. I feel like the things that I remember are like the highs and the lows, but there's always a bunch of meh yeah. in there too. Strong, <laughs> like Strong middle in 2018. Strong middle. And like I think started strong in terms of like the restaurant scene and mm-hmm. then kind of went – it just calmed down. It wasn't <laughs> you know the, the sort of the roller coaster sound effect sort of implies a lackluster quality or or something negative. Yeah, and I don't no, know if I'd... it was necessarily that, although it wasn't a standout year. I don't think. Yeah, no, it, but it was okay. Like everything in the okay. middle was fine. I feel like so we had kind of a restaurant boom. What like a few years ago. There yeah. were like there was just a, it was booming, and now I feel like all the time I'm hearing about like. You know, I'm seeing Greenbush post like, oh, you know, we can't offer our full menu because we haven't been able to hire enough people to work. Or like as soon as we can staff up, we'll be opening for this and that. Like – and it's the staffing issue I think is maybe starting to have a chilling effect if not necessarily on like the number of restaurants opening but maybe like the hours that they're open. Yeah, the scale. Yeah, the scale. Just looking back uh, over the the year of reviews from Isthmus, uh, it seems like it's a lot of smaller – Lower profile, kind of hole in the wall locations. Anyway, you know, family operated, where you don't necessarily have to rely, uh, you know, on a lot of hiring. You know, if you if you've got uh, a mom and dad and some kids or cousins or whatever that you can kind of run the shop that way and not have a big footprint, so not have a lot of tables, a lot of seats turnover. I feel like that's sort of the management of expectations resultant from how hard it's been to keep restaurants staffed. Well, I, I just was interviewing. Um one of the people who's going to be opening the Harvey House in the former Bandit space, sure. well, would have been Bandit space, Erstwhile. I guess. Yeah, in the depot. And I said, are you concerned about staffing? And she said, everyone's saying that. Everyone's asking, are we concerned about staffing? And I was like, because it's a thing. <laughs> well, are you? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's like, we're going we're to pay people well, and we know that there's a lot of smart and wonderful folks here, and we're, you know, we're hopeful we want to do this. But I think the other way of going is the Nook way, sure. which is you have – like the two people who run it and like two staff helping serve and that's it. Right. And it's super small. So yeah. like 
ways of, you know, directions of going with that. Or, you know, like with Sujo's redesign, that counter service, fast, casual thing, you don't need as many people. Right. And they don't necessarily have to be as super ultra literate on the menu because they can just kind of plug in the orders and then you kind of take and get out of there. So, okay, let's take a look at 2018 and food. We started out pretty strong. We both reviewed Mintmark right after the beginning yeah, of the year. Yeah, heart, eyes, emoji on that one. I just, everything about Mintmark is great. I am there so much. Yeah, yeah. I was there last night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I it's saw a really friend. wonderful. Yeah. I saw my friend uh, Ben who was there with some coworkers. He's like, this is the first time I've been to this place. It's really great. And I was like, yeah, they've taken all my money. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. You know, great the late night service. Um, they've done fun uh, beer stuff um, in addition to having a good cocktail program. So like, you know, it's a very it's a very tidy tap list, as I like to call them, but it, it's curated in a, in a good way, in a smart way. One of the things that I love about it, so like, you know, they had like the little, what is it, Atari characters on the floor. Yep, yep, space mirrors, And yeah. the bathrooms are pool and pond. And there's this gorgeous mural now of Anthony Bourdain, who we lost mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, year. Yeah. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful mural. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I believe the same woman who did that mural also did the new mural at Sujo, actually. Oh, okay. um, but just incredible artists we have in Madison. Yeah. We're very lucky. Um, but I, yeah, I've, I've been spending a lot of time and money at Mintmark. And sometimes I'll go even like occasionally I'll go during the day and it's a great place to work. Mm-hmm. Like a coffee shop kind of. Yeah. Good light. It's nice. Another place that I fell in love with early in the year was Athens Grill in Wanakee. Okay. And Athens is not – close to stuff if you live in the city. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I actually, you know, after the first of the year, um, sometimes if I'd be like working on a major story or something really long, like they have Wi-Fi, I'm fairly sure. They have Wi-Fi. They have like tables and tons of light. And I would just go and get like, you know, a euro or a chicken pita and sit there. And it was just so – the food is so much better than you ever expect. Right. And it was just, it's such a lovely kind of space. And it looks like a fast, casual Greek American place. Sure. And it is wonderful. Nice. Yeah. I really, really like it. Yeah. The uh, similar experience for me in terms of like, wow, this is this is quite a room. It was Birok. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's spare. It's not particularly like decorated or anything like that. There's not a whole lot of born in character in the room, but... Um, I think the first time I went there, there was a Brewers game on maybe. I've been there during a Packer game, which was kind of unintentional. It's the perfect space for that kind of thing. Like everyone kind of hangs out. They sort of reorient all the tables in the middle. So everyone's kind of turning and facing. It's kind of like this little auditorium kind of uh, redesign. You know, as everyone sort of squeaks their chairs to face the little projector screen they have. Um, a big tap list. And then the, the you know, the namesake food is, you know, it is a Hot Pocket basically. Um, but, but it's, 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 pr- I love it's the prettier idea of doing a hot pocket restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got this great, like, you know, sort of bronzy, smooth surface. It doesn't look like something that just came out of a microwave, you know, sleeve. Um, <laughs> it doesn't taste like that either. You know, they manage expectations and it was actually more than I expected because I thought they were like little tiny spherical things, like bigger than a donut hole, but just about, and then have it come out and be bigger than roughly a, you know, bar of soap or bigger than your iPhone. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by that. And then you know, they do some cool stuff with the fillings. And I think actually the the less classic, more, you know, sort of culinarily, culinarily experimental uh, recipes like the tofu and kimchi um, were actually some of the better ones. I, I liked them more than, say, like just like the sausage one. See, that's it's a vote. That's a vote for experimentation right there, yeah. right? 
It's it's very Polish. Dough wrapped around meat. Yeah. Uh, and who doesn't love that, right? Right. It, it appeals to all, you know, core cravings. One of my favorite, uh, like, pocket foods, I guess, this year, if you want to call it a pocket food, was uh, I went to the Caracas Arepas cart. Mm -hmm. And I discovered, like, just this – and, like, arepas are interesting because I feel like usually if I'm – I want, like, one and a half. Right. But you got to get two. Yeah. And then you can get like two different kinds. And I, fa I really love the Reina Pepiata, which is like a chicken salad. And it was mm -hmm. named for like a beauty queen. <laughs> um, and so it's, you know, it's, the, it's this, this, queen, this queen chicken salad. And yeah. I just, I really liked it. I love the avocado and I love like the sauce. They have a lot of salsas and sauces yeah. that they do. And oh, I just, yeah. I had, a, I had a very sort of rich, it was very autumn food, frankly. Um, I think it was a beef short rib something had red wine it was very rich very flavorful very you know dark flavors um roasty kind of flavors but it was great i mean like it was this perfect little steaming hot it was, again I, I put the words hot in pocket together and i didn't mean to but uh, <laughs> but yeah you know it, it, they're the the right size to walk around and eat they put them in this cute little french fry bag which was just great i was surprised too at how much i enjoyed Camp Tripolindi. It's on the top of a hotel. Right. And, you know, it's kitschy, super kitschy. Yes. And I thought, my goodness, I really like this. Like, I liked the chicken sandwich. I liked, like, the stupid little s'mores things that they were putting mm -hmm. out. I thought they were fun and funny. Um, it really did kind of feel like, oh, like, we're up north in Wisconsin, and I, I kind of get the shtick. Like, it yeah. works. Well, they completely nailed the decor. That's the thing. Is like, it doesn't feel decorated it feels like the place that they're trying to emulate you know it's 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 a very savvy simulation of that kind of thing and uh yeah they, they won the madison burger week thing oh, for their, they did. their That's burger awesome. special that was had like a ramp mayo or something like that and it, they kept it on the menu for a little while after. Shanna Pacifico, she's like killing it. Yeah. it's pretty great and the, the, i mean you can't beat the views either it's just a, it's a oh, very cool spot to hang so out cool. so you this fall you did the food cart roundup, the review. Yeah, the judging. Okay, so yeah. first of all, tell me, what did you have to do? So you've got to hit a minimum of the 50-something carts. You have to hit a minimum of, I think, 80% wow. for your scores to count. Um, you know, they're, they're, they made some headlines a couple of years ago. Uh, some of the, the vendors were not thrilled with the, the, the math and the transparency and the bureaucracy of the, the food cart scoring. Yeah, I thought the criticism seemed pretty reasonable. It it was, and they, I mean, by virtue, you know, evidenced by the fact that they changed a lot of things. Yeah, and they yeah, kinda, yeah. They codified things a little bit more. Um, I think they they put more math into you know creating the, the formula and ensuring that all of the people who are on this judging panel, and there's you know a couple of dozen, um, experienced enough of the lineup of the downtown and and library mall carts to have an informed opinion. They went out of their way to recruit from a lot of different areas uh, geographically and professionally to make sure that they had a lot of voices, different voices. Um, but ultimately, whether you were like me, someone who eats a lot of food and writes about food and thinks about food, or whether you're someone who just works downtown and eats lunch like a normal human being, by virtue of going through the whole process um, and experiencing that minimum 80%, everyone kind of ultimately came away with more or less the same baseline level of experience with these specific carts so they could offer more or less an informed opinion. Did you have to get a certain number of things at each cart? Uh, well, I mean, you you basically you want to eat like as if you were a customer. That was okay. that was kind of the rule. Um, <clears throat> so you you could just walk up, and, and this is the thing as, as someone who reviews restaurants and does so 
without notice or, you know, yeah. trumpeting my presence, you literally have a name badge. <laughs> okay. That you show them and say, hi, I'm a food judge. You know, I'm a food cart critic. Uh, mark me off of your list because the, the vendors all have a list too so that they can keep track of who oh. came and who didn't. Um, and then that all kind of filters back and forth between the, the city and the, the vendors. So, um, but yeah, it was very bizarre. So you were encouraged to basically eat as if you were a paying customer. You're not like ordering a buffet. Right, And then exactly. taking it over to the, you know, the bench on Library Mall and just like you know, laying out like a, like a, a Greek god. This is kind of what I imagine. So <laughs> the cumulative effect is very oh, Greek okay. god. <laughs> I, I mean, I bought a, a package of, of, uh, Leftover containers, you know, little Tupperware containers. Oh, super I smart. Brought them with me every time I had my little tote bag full of empty containers and some painter's tape to slap on the top to write down <gasps> what I ordered and where and when. And I'd eat a couple of bites fresh. Methods. I love it. That's another rule is you got to eat it fresh, you know, because oh. they know that not everyone necessarily lives around there or works around there. So if you take it to go, that's fine. But you got to at least experience some of it the way it was intended by the vendor. So another sort of insurance that um, everyone's having a good culinary experience as opposed to just a functional eating lunch experience. I wonder, like, did you try to think a little bit about, like, what is the customer experience and how easy is it in terms of, like, getting this food back up to my office yep. or whatever? Yeah. 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 That's That all goes into the scoring metric is how it's packaged, how, mm-hmm. you know, how much of the packaging suits the food you're trying to eat out of the packaging. Um, you know, again, the French fry bag comes in. It's like, it's perfect. It's exactly what you need. Um, other times, for example, like, I, I love Bonzo and I frequently get takeout from the brick and mortar bonzo and i appreciate the engineering that went into the the pita box the boxes yeah but i don't find them particularly useful oh okay i typically take them out like if i take it home and eat it at home i don't bother eating it out of there and i didn't find it a whole lot more useful on the sidewalk uh, you know near the cart either whereas when i because there's two bonzo carts when i went to the other bonzo cart i just got a platter version and it comes in just a styrofoam clamshell and so unfortunately yes it's styrofoam um but it was a lot easier to eat did you come out of your sort of reviewing month, right? Yeah, it's four weeks. <laughs> With like new favorites, things that you will that will be go-tos for you now in the future? Yeah, I really liked um, the two sort of fried rice, you know, teriyaki, hibachi kind of things. Um, teriyaki samurai and hibachi hut, which may or may not be related. Frankly, I didn't really look into it, but their menus are very oh, yeah, similar. Maybe. Um, regardless, they both were really enjoyable, um, like deep sort of – Wok hay, you know, that 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 really great sort of smoky flavor yeah. in the fried rice. They were just really, really fun. Uh, I really like Brazen Hussies. Oh, I've never lot. had Brazen Hussies. Yeah. I, I'm still scratching my head on the logic behind the name because it's a dude who runs it and you just kind of get brazing. I, I feel like the hussy thing implies that it's, you know, owned by women person, who are kind yeah. of, you know, sort of embracing the, the, the slang. And it's not. And the dude seems very cool. It's not like it's a weird in that respect, but I just don't get the logic of the name. I always assumed it was run by women, like you know, that it was like brazen hussy, you know. Yeah, right. No, it's, it feels like it would be a great pun for a woman-owned business. Like Curd Girl is yes. run by women. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. So like brazen hell, oh, maybe? Oh, yeah. That would have been, been fun. You know, it doesn't imply a gender, you know, behind mm-hmm. the, the, the stove. But whatever. It, the food is good. Taquitos Marimar, uh, exceptionally fresh and like crisp vegetables. The Ooh. tostada was crunchy, like the, the chicken on it. Was not super complicated, but it was, you know, just above that sort of Nesco roaster kind of, you know, style of, of slow-cooked chicken. It had a little more texture to it than that. It wasn't just goo. The, just like the sauces, the, the guacamole, everything was terrific. 
on those. And like I wanted to eat them all the moment they landed, you know, in my hands. And I had to stop myself because this is the thing. You have to go to so many different places. You're basically averaging almost two a day. And and you want to give everybody a fair shake. That's the thing. It's sort of like um, I was interviewing a wine importer once and I said, how do you – if you're tasting something at like nine in the morning and you're jet lagged and you're in Germany and whatever, like how do you make sure to give that wine the kind of care and consideration mm-hmm. and like a, a good shot at getting a good rating yeah. or whatever? And he said, you know, if I felt like if I feel like I need to taste it again later, if I feel like I wasn't really sure, if I, mm-hmm. if, you know, I go, I can go back to it. And I feel like the way that this process works, you know, maybe you can go back to it, but not necessarily. Like right. if you were like, well, that wasn't that great, but that's what it was, you know, yeah. it, how many reviewers are there? There was something like, I feel like something like close to 30. Okay. Yeah. So a, a pretty big group. Yeah. One thing I didn't see a ton of yet, although uh, a couple places, I think the new Tavernicaya cart had it. Poke. It's like oh. the one place that doesn't have poke yet is the food cart scene. <laughs> like I can't believe there isn't a dedicated poke food cart yet. You would think. Yeah. You would absolutely think. Oh my gosh. So. Are we at a half dozen now? Oh my god, I think we are. I think we might be at a half dozen. It's a um, lot of poke. In town. It's a lot of poke. Well, you know, we had ramen and then we had tacos right. and now we've got poke. And I have to say, I am here for the poke trend. I am here for it. I have some moral quandaries around the sustainability of eating farmed salmon in Wisconsin. Like, that doesn't make me feel awesome. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I I do have questions about, like, where the shrimp is coming from, stuff like that. But um, I really like poke poke. Yeah, I really like. I liked Freshfin just fine. I've 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 went to write about Freshfin and I've been back since then. Um, I think, you know, it's it's a bowl of rice and fish and vegetables and, and I, crunch. Yes, and crunchy stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love sushi, but you know, for two very similar sort of flavor profiles and you know, eating experiences, there are days where like I might prefer poke just because I can ensure I will have textural variation. Mm-hmm. And there's just nothing like you know the little fried shallot bits or, you know, the, yeah, breadcrumbs, whatever it is. I love, 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 love it. Fried shallot, fried garlic, um, just like little bits of, yeah, Yeah. oh gosh, it's so great. And like different kinds of crunch too, like things that are pickled. Yeah. And I I love that. I did do some reading because of the nerd that I am around these things sometimes about like cultural appropriation in poke. And like I learned, for example, that uh, the P-O-K-E with the accent is like not a word. Correct. (laughs) And I didn't know that. And some places are like P-O-K-E, you know, with the accent because they want Americans not to say poke. Right. (laughs) But in like in the original language, it's just just poke, right? Mm -hmm. And so that – that was something that I learned this year just through writing about more than one poke plays, right. poke plays, um, and just thinking about mainland poke versus Hawaiian. Sure. Because they're both, you know, American. Yeah. But one – like this is – it's sort of like what you see sometimes in ramen places or you see in like, you know, where, where something gets translated. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just think it's maybe a different thing. There wasn't a cabal of, you know, <laughs> fishmongers who are like, you know what? Once this trend gets to, you know, the lower 48, we're going to mess with it and we're going to really irritate Hawaii. It, it's just one of those things that happens organically. You know, cultures move around, uh, ideas move around and people move around and they have different things at their disposal, different uh, amounts of time at their disposal, different tastes around which they're working and to whom they're serving. I don't see it as a, a, a an ultimate negative if something changes 
because you know calling something a bastardization for example is just like the flip coin of saying that something is adapted yeah what are you going to do it wasn't done maliciously i don't think it's being done maliciously and you know you get more literacy as it goes on Mika Poke took away the accent mark after a little while. They no yeah, they did. They have the accent mark on their on their actual official name. I asked so, them about that. I go. said, you know, when like why did you do that? And and Caitlin said that people got it. Like yeah. they, she's like, we wanted people to be able to say it the right way and all that stuff, and and people figured it out, and so we took it away. It's easier than an asterisk in a footnote. Yes, it is. <laughs> but to me, it's like part of the bowl trend. You sure, know, stuff in bowls, and yeah. I like it. I like it just fine. I'll eat poke over an acai grain bowl any day of the week. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I wonder if we're starting to come off the gluten-free trend because there were so many bakeries this year. Like mm. we wrote about Origins Bakery, which is over on the east side. He sells at farmer's markets and his bread is at the, the Heights as well. Sure, sure. And I love – goodness, I love his bread. <laughs> Kirk Smock, um, just amazing bread. And then uh, – we wrote about Vitrushka, which is doing – I think they're just Eastern European treats and sweets, right. which is fun. She's at farmer's markets too. Um, we wrote about buttercream, which I think was up in Lodi. We wrote about just a lot of new bakeries opening up and I thought that was kind of interesting. And I thought maybe we're not afraid of gluten anymore. Maybe we still are though because like the new Angry Rooster that's out of Tin Fox is doing gluten-free. Yeah, completely. Fried chicken. Yeah. A fried chicken application with gluten-free flour. I'm I'm all for trying it. Yeah, you know, Because me too. if it results in a really sort of shattering exterior shell, great. Yeah. I, I want that. My friend was saying that she thought that the crossover between people who want gluten-free fried chicken and people who want really spicy fried chicken is maybe like a small part of a Venn diagram drawn properly. <laughs> but I wonder if people who want really spicy fried chicken won't care that it's gluten-free. They'll just be like, I want spicy fried chicken. Or yeah. this is just good fried chicken. Right. I, I don't think people are necessarily um, strident about the uh, the components of the batter right. as much as they are the chicken and the sauce. Like right, the right, batter right. is very much a delivery mechanism. Exactly. Or a wrapper. So you were mentioning Birok earlier mm-hmm. um, where they have kind of like the cinematic – like, you know, they arrange it so that we, you can all watch the game together. Right. You also went to Flick's Brewhouse. Indeed, Yeah. I have not been to Flick's Brewhouse. <laughs> I have very many doubts and questions about the model because, again, I would worry that, like, I'd be distracted by the food. But what I've heard is that it's not bad, like, in terms of the eating. The the food is pretty decent. The beer okay. is, I'd say, a step above pretty decent. Like, it's beer that I I have no problem ordering and, you know, sometimes I'm actually, like, into it. As opposed to other places where you're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I'll, I'll drink a, the closest thing to – a good beer that I can get here. The beers there are actually pretty good. I'm definitely very self-conscious about making eating noises myself to the people around me. And I feel like it's better than you'd think, Mm -hmm. but it all comes down to, you know, who's your neighbor. But to be fair, that's true in any theater experience because popcorn can be noisy with the wrong person eating it. Um, Nachos can be, you know, that's the one thing that, that keeps... Me and my wife out of a lot of movie theaters is like, oh, God, this place has nachos, right? And people are going to be eating them in the theater and they're going to be crinkling and crunching and it's I don't very see why nachos are necessary for a theater experience. It's it's great in a ballpark where everyone's shouting and there's yeah, a lot of noise. You don't hear anything. But, man, when you're in a quiet room, food gets loud fast. Yeah. Um, because not all of the food is super tidy at Flicks. So you do occasionally have drippy things or spilly things or, you know, the burger and something falls out or a wrap and something falls out or whatever. And you, you want to sort of know where you're at with your food 
but to do so kind of requires you to look down a little bit from the screen and I get antsy about missing something, you know. It could just be because I'm watching too many movies that rely on Easter eggs. I got to stop seeing Marvel comics movies. But but regardless, um, even if it's, you know, we went and saw uh, Crazy Rich Asians there and it's just like everything about that movie you want to watch because it's just so visually engaging and it's a big spectacle of a movie. Um, and then to have to look down to make sure you're, you know, actually hitting your little pile of ketchup with your French fry, you know, you're you're missing that sort of line of sight that you have while eating at home. And so I get the response of, well, why can't I just eat and watch a movie at home? Why do I have to do it in the theater? I sort of get that. For the end of this year, I think the thing that I was most excited about was probably The Heights. Sure. Um, I really like the food that Allie Christian is doing there. The setup is so perfectly placed. It is so of its like that near west, like, I mean, let's be honest, fairly white moneyed neighborhood. But it seems to fit that place really well just with the quality of food that they're doing, with the way that they're cooking it. Um, I like immediately went home and like recreated the kale salad. Um, I want to know what they do with their like they're they're doing like a brown rice bowl that has like a puffed like crunchy rice in there too, mm. and like with pesto and, a, and squash, a couple different ways and mushrooms. I mean, it's vegetarian food and you don't even notice. It's just it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think that simplicity can be harder to do than lots of extra noise. Sure. It's really lovely, and they open in the winter time, which is not an easy time. To do like the local food thing. Right. So there's a lot of eggs, a lot of mushrooms. Yeah, but it's sort of you get to merge at highway speed with a lot of really hearty uh, vegetables, whether it is kale or you know squash or things like that where you can really kind of beef it up a little bit. Absolutely. Without beefing it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked it. I just went back for the first time in a really long time to north and south. Nice. And had the brisket which I was very happy with because I've come to realize that even though I will always, almost always instinctively order a brisket sandwich the first time I've had a place that does barbecue, I'm almost always kind of disappointed with it. And I realize it's just because I've turned into a real like central Texas a-hole about barbecue. And I just want it to be the simple salt and pepper rub on a brisket. And I want it to have a really pronounced bark. And I want everything to just kind of melt in, in the middle. So with that in mind, I'm really excited to get to beef butter. I was just going to say, yeah. I can't wait to hear what you yeah. have to say about beef know, butter barbecue. I, I have not yet been. Um, got a buddy on the on sort of the northwest side of town who's like, well, clearly the brisket is where the you know the money is there. So that's that's the killer app, as he put it. So I'm very much looking forward to getting there, um, especially now that I've sort of I have the bloodlust again. Now that I have, I've just recently had that very excellent brisket at North and South. Ooh, yes. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Are there other things that you're looking forward to in 2019? 2018 was a weird year for like the restaurant scene and for me. So I feel like I have to kind of rejoin the the crowd to a certain extent and start you know getting into some of the the offbeat things that uh, you know that aren't necessarily reviewable restaurants. You know, like the bakeries, for example. You know, yeah, things for like sure. That. I really gotta I gotta get into those. I am I'm really curious about Kingdom African cuisine, yes, African yeah. fusion coming into the North Side too. Right. Rob is going to be writing about Freakies. That place that oh, I have, yeah. <laughs> which I'm, he saw yeah. that and he was like, "Ooh, me! I want that!" And I was right. like, "You can have it. Uh, that's fine." He's like, he, "It's a guy who does like a horror movie, a horror host." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I grew up in <laughs> the in the Fox River Valley. We had Ned the Dead. Oh my gosh! Uh, I late love night it. horror hosts are definitely a, a thing, that's certainly a thing. in the Midwest. Yeah, so like that definitely intrigued me too. I was. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with the new Tipsy Cow in Sun Prairie. Oh They're my god! Finally opening, like, Actually, you know, I think it's. Today. 
It yeah? is today. Yeah. Opening today, the day that we're recording, right. not the day you're hearing this, yeah. but it's already um, open. It's already open. Go. Um, so they, I'm, I'm just, that's one of Patrick, my husband, Patrick's go to places. He just loves the tipsy cow. So it's just really nice for them to be able to have that. They've got some cool stuff happening out in Sun Prairie after the fire. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think is good and like just good to hear. So, yeah. Speaking of Sun Prairie too, the, the, uh, Wright Bauer just recently opened. Brew, oh, right. Brew pub kind of model. And I've only been once, and I don't think – I think I was there before they had, I think, their full beer lineup available for their own beers. Um, but then also, uh, is it Full Mile? Yes. I believe, also in Sun Prairie. Full Mile. Absolutely um, right. Looking forward to – they just had a soft opening. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting over there and, and checking that out too. I was seeing something about Delta Beer Lab. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Like that – once you start getting into really like strictly formatted kind of themes, I'm curious how long lasting that'll be. But absolutely, you know, I guess you know places like Mobcraft have made it work for a while now. So I wonder if we're going to see like if I don't know what 2019 is going to be the year of. It could be the year of Nashville style hot fried chicken. I could see that happening. Right? Yeah. I feel like people were super excited about Portillos coming in. Portillos. Portillos. Good lord, Portillos coming in and. Maybe we'll see another hot dog resurgence. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it could be the year of. Yeah. I, it remains to be seen. 2018 didn't really offer a lot of clues for what I think 2019 no. is going to do. And that hasn't we're been – off the, the map. Yeah, we're off the map. Yeah. I want to look at um, – I always – I like to look and see what's happening on the coasts mm-hmm. and say like, okay, in two to three years. And one of the things that's happening on the coast actually is more places with like counter service, fast casual, that kind of stuff that sure. require less staffing. So maybe we'll start seeing more of that. Yeah. And, you know, the food cart scene does not seem to be slowing down. No. No, it really does not. And, and you know, as a the, the food cart judge thing only covers the Capitol Square and Library Mall. And there are plenty of other carts that don't oh do my business gosh, on yes. either too. So it's a, it's a wild and woolly world of food carts. So there's always room for that too. That is – and that's just – I feel like that's a place that we can look to see maybe where some things are going to be going or coming in, you know? Right. So that's exciting too. Well, thank you. Thank you for the eating work that you do. You know, it was work. (laughs) And the writing work that you do, of course. And have a happy new year. Thanks, Lindsay. You too. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our music was composed by Patrick Christians. We get editing and tech support from our CT podcast guy, Eric Lawrenson. The Corner Table drops every other week, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us at Corner Table Podcast on Facebook, and find more food and drink news every day at captimes.com. I am your host, Cap Times Food Editor Lindsay Christians, and my wish for you this week and this year is champagne, because why the heck not? Happy New Year! <laughs>